I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical. G'day, Irrational Fearless. This is big news. Uh, Lewis is a new dad. That's why he's not joining us tonight. He had bedtime issues uh, with the new baby. Couldn't put together a baby and the podcast. It doesn't, doesn't work for him. You know, as a man, you can't have it all. This is true. You can't have it all. Jacob Round also had a new baby. You might know Jacob Round. He's the wizard who makes us sound so great. His baby's only a few days old. He hasn't got a name yet. But if you are not a Patreon supporter and you're going to become a Patreon supporter to help feed these children, if you become a Patreon supporter, you can choose a name. Yes, you can choose Jacob Round's kid's name. I haven't told him this yet, but he's going to be excited because he hasn't picked one yet. We'll, we'll take one from the Patreon. Hit us up at patreon.com forward slash irrational fear. Ah, now, also letting you know uh, around the country, we are going to be performing Adelaide March 4 with Alice Fraser, Gabby Bolt, Andrew Hansen, Dylan Bain from News Fighters, Melbourne at the Comedy Festival, April 2nd. Alice Fraser, Gabby Bolt, Nats What I Reckon, Grace Tame, Sammy Shah, Vijarajan, and Annie McClellan is DJing. It is already 15% sold out. I can't wait for that room to be completely sold out. So please get along to Melbourne. Also, if you live in Brisbane, March 26, we are performing at World Science Festival with Mark Humphreys, Mel Buttle, Dylan Bain, and a woman who lives in Brisbane, but also works at NASA, who worked on the James Webb Telescope, Dr. Jessie Christensen. She is joining us at World Science Week. Uh, and if you want a discount to Melbourne and Adelaide, you can. All you've got to do is become a Patreon supporter or sign up to the email list at irrationalfear.com and you can find the discount code for Melbourne and Adelaide there. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal land in the Eora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like... Brexit, Canberra, Fair Dickum, and Section 40. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. <laughs> 
Tonight, Tony Abbott continues his record-breaking streak of being wrong by saying that George Pell is the greatest man he's ever known. And King Charles will not appear on the new $5 note. According to the Reserve Bank, the only requirement for the $5 note is to have a design that, when folded, looks like a whale is giving fellatio. And after being lost for 10 days, a tic-tac-sized radioactive capsule has been found in the outback of Western Australia. Eastern states have expressed concern and are looking into how to manufacture tic-tac-sized radioactive capsules of their own. When will this brinkmanship end? It's the 2nd of February 2023. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! Hello, welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, former quarterback of the New England Patriots, Dan Illich, and this is the podcast that takes the saddest headlines and eats them for breakfast. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. Our first fear monger is an omnipresent media maven, author, activist, changemaker, one of AFR's 100 Women of Influence. It's Antoinette Latouf. Welcome, Antoinette. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to, like, like scaring the shit out of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, a hundred, hundred women of influence. What do you do to get on that list? Oh, look, as a man, Dan, you'd never understand. Um, but what it requires. <laughs> But the interesting thing is I can get on an AFR's 100 Women of Influence, but I can't influence my child to brush her teeth. (laughs) And she's a Gen Z media mogul, and when she's not, you know, pushing words into her manuscript for her new book, she's uh, pushing as many hot takes on the internet as a team of 1,000 monkeys. It's the founder and CEO of Cheek Media. Hannah Ferguson. Hannah, welcome to Irrational Fear. Thanks for having me. That's very, My mother's never said that many nice things about me in a row, so it's very beautiful, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Hannah, I used to consider myself prolific, but, you know, watching you operate on the internet mm-hmm. all day, I, I think I'm lazy. How do you keep up such a relentless hot take machine as Cheek Media? I've, I've never considered them hot takes. I've definitely considered them more of like a pizza hut buffer. We're going very average and a lot of it all the time, <laughs> you know? Like, let's just keep it pumping. And he's not here. Here's the Tom Brady of youth broadcasting it's Lewis Hobart he, he wish he could be here but he's got to put the baby to bed coming up later we speak with the Minister for Department Infrastructure Transport Regional Development Communications and the Arts yes Tony Burke is joining us we'll be talking about Revive the 10 year arts roadmap and we'll be auditioning for Poet Laureate but first a message from this week's sponsor Hey is your bank balance too full? Do you have a large amount of cash acquired through organised crime? Well come on down to your local Clubs New South Wales club and we'll lighten the load with our state-of-the-art poker machines. We'll take your pension and triple it, if you're lucky. And if it doesn't work, just try again in a fortnight. Or maybe you've got a suitcase of cash from the proceeds of pharmaceutical distribution that needs a tax-free origin story. Well, from now until March 26, you can put it all through one of our 9,500 poker machines. That's more than Las Vegas, baby. And when you cash out, we won't ask any questions. Don't worry. No one asks any questions of us. And if they do, we'll find their Nazi photos. Everyone's got a Nazi photo. Come on down to your local Clubs New South Wales club. Everyone's welcome, even Catholics. I don't have, I don't have any picture. I'm not aware of that. 
first fear this year, uh, how do you lose $70 billion overnight through hard work and determination, or if you're an activist investor? Gautam Adani, India's richest man at the start of the year, was the third richest person in the world, but he's dropped out of the top 10 richest people list because it's claimed he's a little bit dodgy. Yes, a short-selling firm, delightfully named, get this, Hindenburg, published an investigation accusing Adani of stock manipulation, account fraud, and money laundering. Now, one of the uh, allegations, I don't know if you read this, one of the allegations is that the Adani private family trust charged the Adani public company $100 million in licensing fees to use the North Queensland export terminal, which they own. That's really, that's a big skim. That's a big family skim right there. Uh, they, it also pointed to how other family companies covered the loss in value of other assets like the Carmichael coal mine and train line. So the public company wouldn't look bad like it had lost the money. Allegedly. All of this is allegedly, I should point out. Adani uh, kind of hit back with a 413-page report, which no one is going to read, as Peter Dutton you know, knows. As soon as the report comes out, there were like hundreds of these weird pro-Adani tweets that hit Twitter. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all had like similar context, but some had just like, the same typo. <laughs> there were hundreds of tweets that are like kind of, you know, backing Adani, but they all spelt nation wrong. That bot needs Grammarly. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> and like, here's another one, which is, has, has like full sentences, which are kind of copied and pasted. The word allegations is spelt Allegatins, which I love, <laughs> just goes to show if you're an Indian company and you're outsourcing your tweets to Australia, you shouldn't be doing that. We are terrible with um, with, with language. Have you guys ever lost $70 billion in one day? No, I actually check my account before buying my oat mocha in the morning. So I, I think I would notice if the, if the books are changing that drastically. But yes, no, I haven't personally entered it. <laughs> I love these allegations because Adani, of course, is one of the hugest exporters and extractors of fossil fuels mm. around the world. And so... If, you know, if they go down, that's that's great for everybody, pretty much. It's great news for everyone. <laughs> How would you react if you were like the offspring of a billionaire and your parent dropped off the top 10? Would that be embarrassing? It's probably grounds to never speak to them again. I think it'd be reasonable to, 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 to set the time. <laughs> Irrational fear. Not only will the investment community in India, uh, but also around the world, but most likely here in Australia, will be looking at the financial veracity of Adani in the wake of these claims. A rational fear. All right, this week's second fear, the ACCC. Australia's favourite cops have got influences in their sights. From now on, if you're carrying a camera or a bang energy drink, uh, you have to have a permit. Otherwise, you could get a fine for making an undeclared post. Uh, the ACCC won't have anything of it. Not at all. All sponsored posts must be declared. In fact, the ACCC chair, Gina Cass Gottlieb, said, people are looking at it thinking that they have the integrity of just an ordinary person's recommendation. Yes, an ordinary person with abs, lip filler, full hair, an insatiable appetite for sharing videos of them doing back squats. Then when they tell you to buy a koala mattress, you do. Just an ordinary person like that. People could be confused, <laughs> especially if they don't see ordinary people like me and I live in Bondi. Hannah, you're one of the most powerful influences in the, in the news and Australian politics space. Do you have sponsored posts? I honestly have no idea how these come in. No one has ever offered me anything really. And honestly, like, I'm just confused by why these influences, why people can be duped by influencers who think the most interesting thing is talking about laxative teas. Like, do you not realise these people are getting paid <laughs> to make you shit yourself to death? Like, why is that surprising, right? <laughs> but no, I, I do not struggle with this. I, I wish more people approached me, frankly. I have I have something to disclose, guys. I am an influencer. Yeah. 
However, Ooh. I would say, oh. and it wasn't, no, it wasn't the AFR 100 Women of Influence thing that got it. Because after I was like listed, I was like, okay, where are all of my teeth whitening deals? Where's my car? Nothing <laughs> came. Nothing <laughs> came. However, recently I became a nerdfluencer. And so the people that uh-huh. I do sometimes accept money from, like museums, um, I go to galleries and exhibitions and, and I talk about public archives, like really sexy stuff like that. Mm. Uh, but I, I do disclose it. So I'm an influencer who doesn't have white, like really white teeth because nobody has come forward and sponsored me for that yet. <laughs> I talk about museums, but, I, you know, I do, I do disclose it. I'm an ethical influencer. Oh, yeah, well, so are we. we are, we're ethical here too. <laughs> but I you know what? That. I do think the penalty here, because they're talking about penalties and cracking down on influencers who don't disclose that they're actually being yeah. paid. I think the best kind of penalty would be to force them to make an NRL style apology, but to be sure that it has no filter, like no filters are allowed in your video apology. <laughs> and I reckon that alone is going to send their like fake knees trembling. <laughs> I love this. The ACCC reached out to its followers on Facebook, encouraging them to dob in influencers who are doing the wrong thing. And they said they got thousands of responses. I'm like, first of all, what kind of narc is following the ACCC on Facebook? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it's definitely a boomer. It's definitely someone's art because nobody else is on Facebook. The other thing is I reckon the ACCC can vet and find these influencers themselves. All you need to do is put, like, search the the terms, heaps of people have been asking about my car lately. <laughs> and it's like nobody fucking asked. No one's asked. Nobody asked. This is a sponsored post. Nobody cares. Not even the mum asked. They just need to go for like uh, people who have the Instagram bio, like I'm an empath or treat people with kindness and they're fucking bang, they've got them. Yeah, that's Instagram. They were also going on about this like idea of it being particularly looking at micro influencers and having like a more legitimate relationship with their audience. And I'm like, are you going after like my gran with 18 Facebook friends sharing one like one prayer post? Like, is that the accountability you're looking for? Or who are you investigating with like 1,000 followers? I reckon they should just investigate every, every former bachelorette, bachelor, married at first sight. Clean <laughs> them up, get yeah. rid of their filters, filter yeah. their apologies. Yes. Clean up. You know, of course, people go on those shows just to boost their... Instagram followers so they can have a career after the show. Do you mean they're not yeah, looking for a... love genuinely, Dan, with the, the guy that's <laughs> never treated a woman right ever? That's crazy stuff. <laughs> this is a rational fear. There's a history to this where uh, the monarch's been on the, the lowest denominator uh, denomination. We should be proud of it, incredibly proud of our British heritage. It's the underpinning of society as we know it. Uh, we shouldn't try and rewrite history. <laughs> This week's third fear, cabanas, cabanas everywhere, but not a place to walk. The eastern suburbs have been invaded by people from far away, as far away as Five Dock, coming to Bondi <laughs> and putting up their tents, putting up their tents and taking up all the space on the beach where no one can walk and get to the water. Ah, oh, Antoinette Latouf, you are so mm-hmm. pro-cabana. Mm-hmm. You decided to get paid by the nine media machine <laughs> to write about it. Look, Tell us, why are you pro-Cabana and why am I wrong for uh, being anti-Cabana? 
this segment has not been sponsored by Cool Cabanas. I do not receive beach paraphernalia. <laughs> uh, I am open to it, but I have not previously received any. Look, this is the great summer debate. It's bizarre they did. It's bizarre they didn't reach out to you after your article to offer you one for free. No, they haven't. Like I'm, I'm doing something wrong. <sighs> I'm, I've got to get on a dating show and sort that out. Anyway, this is one of the great summer debates <laughs> of 2023. Like, if you use a cabana at the beach, are you an inconsiderate asshole? My answer is no. You've just heeded the the, the warnings of uh, public health campaigners for three decades. You're getting out of the sum. And I know, Dan, you have a different view to me on this, but there's two things. I've got to put it out there. There's two things that aggravate me most about people, and that's those who dare disagree with me and those who live in a nicer suburb than I do. And you are both those things, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I live in a nicer suburb. Sure, sure. Outside my apartment is great, but my apartment is a shoebox with fungus growing through the roof. Fair enough. uh, It is... It is it, the, only, the best part about it is is the beach, is the beach. You know, I drive home to spend three hours looking for a car park spot just so I can park my car near my house. Like the, there are downsides to living You here. have to take out a mortgage to go to the beach for three hours in that area. I've only just discovered this moving to Sydney. It's awful. There's so much linen. I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> the cabanas on a busy day, they're just they're awful, but uh, you know, on a, on an easy day where not where not many people are are there at the beach, it's totally fine. But on a Saturday or a Sunday when it's thirty degrees and they're back to back, it just makes the beach impossible to navigate. And when they're put up like at nine o'clock in the morning, not only do they take up the space of where the physical cabana is, but they take up wherever the shade lands. So throughout the day, the shade moves, and the space of the cabana user actually takes up three cabanas across the day. Like it. The space used for one person under a cabana is absolutely disproportionate to the space needed. Something a a beach umbrella could could do quite easily and, and not take up the same amount of space. Sorry, Hannah, I think you need to probably weigh in here because Dan and I don't see eye to eye on this. And I want to slip slop, but mainly slap him out of it. Oh, I love that line. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, my God. Someone just, should be paying just... you. I know. I mean... I think it's not. I'm welcoming sunscreen sponsors. Anybody at the moment? I'm happy to. The TGA is not welcoming that, though. But you are welcoming. Uh, Yeah. So where do you sit on this, Hannah? Like, are we just being sun smart or being inconsiderate and taking up too much space? I failed year 10 maths, so don't know how to weigh in on the whole geographic area of the shade thing. I think sun safety is a big thing for my generation, not so much. Dan's like, yes, Dan, you're much older than me. But <laughs> I also think maybe you just hate stripes and you're a bit of an eastern suburbs elitist. What's, what's, what's going on here? Yeah. Do you think it could be something else? <laughs> you're hiding behind this argument about the shade. But I think I think overall, good thing. I think positive love the article. Right, right. You, you actually think the stripes are the problem. I have a problem with stripes and what I wish for those cabal is white linen. You're, you're probably right. If they were white linen, maybe we'd let them slide. <laughs> this is a rational fear. But there's one thing all cool cabanas have in common. They're just about everywhere. Thousands of cool cabanas all the way up. Online, locals have posted cabanas are visual pollution. Hello there, just popping into this part of the podcast to say that we are, once again, sponsored by Australian Ethical. We don't want the ACCC to come and crack down on us. Um, so I just want to make make sure everybody knows that this part here is a sponsorship announcement for Australian Ethical. So uh, if you're listening from the ACCC, please don't arrest me. Don't put me in handcuffs. We are doing this ethically. This is the sponsorship announcement. Australian Ethical uh, have been looking after us over the last 
well, last year they did for 10 weeks and now they're jumping on board for another 10. So it's very exciting to have them help us out. When it comes to investing ethically, Australian ethical are the way to go. If you want your money or your super to you know, invest in things like renewable energy, clean tech, health, education, swap to Australian ethical. Simple as that. All right, back to the podcast. Well, he's a renowned musician, arts lover, and we are very excited to be joined by the Minister for the Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development, Communications and Arts. Yes, that is more ministerships than Scott Morrison. Welcome, Tony Burke. Hey, Dan. When you were in the opposition, you know, for the last decade or so, did you ever think you'd ever become the Minister for the Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional <laughs> Development, Communications and the Arts? I'm only the last bit. I'm only the arts bit. So, um, yeah, we've got oh, okay, all right, the other right, words. Right. Um, so I've got that. The rest of my work's in a different department, the employment and the workplace relations stuff. So, um, but, you know, when I first got sworn in, up until then, we'd had years where the word arts wasn't anywhere. So I was just glad to find it on a wall. <laughs> on the podcast today, also, we've got Antoinette Latouf and Hannah Ferguson. I don't know if you've met them or seen them online. They're uh, extraordinary people too. They're going to be chiming in with questions for you as well cool. today. Cool. And I brought, I brought my prop. What was your prop? What, what prop did you bring? Oh, I excellent. The, the Revive. The policy document. This the is, Revive prop. Is, every politician needs a prop. It's one of the things we do and I couldn't find a hat. Tony, the only prop that matters to me is a gigantic uh, check uh, made out to irrational fear. Uh, so I'm very excited. You're, you're the arts minister now. <laughs> I'm working on the basis that everything we have announced is going to you. <laughs> um, so, yes, the Revive policy was a really exciting moment this week. For people, it really kind of set every, every kind of artist's eyes uh, alight. Everyone was awake to it. It was very exciting. Could you, could you tell us for you why this was personally important to you to kind of launch this now? Yeah, so when I was last Arts Minister, like Simon Crean had announced the cultural policy and two days later there was a big blow-up and Simon was no longer a minister. So my whole role was to be implementing the the cultural policy and then after six months we were gone and it was replaced with nothing like I thought maybe Tony Abbott might replace it with something more conservative or something like that but it was actually replaced with nothing and so in the whole time in opposition I just kept sort of imagining Monday I guess uh, which was the <laughs> the time when we would have a cultural policy again we'd bring it up to date and we'd actually, because the cultural policy, the concept of it is it's you're establishing that culture matters to government and matters to the country. And so the language of it is, you know, while people go to show me the dollars and the dollars matter, but the, the fact that you're making that statement affects how government does stuff. Like there were times during the pandemic where, yeah, I made passionate speeches saying artists are also workers and it had never occurred to me that I'd have to make speeches like that. Like it's a, a bit of an obvious thing. Uh, and so for me, it was really important just to get to that moment again where you had the formality of a government saying, this really matters. And, you know, for those six years, I never knew what was going to be in it. I didn't know where the consultation would take us and it took us in places I hadn't expected. Um, but it was that fact of, you know, having the PM stand up and actually, and just simply talk about, this is about the nation's soul, this really matters. Um, you know, for me, that marked the, finally the formality of the end of the culture wars coming from government. Do you really think that's the end of culture wars from government? Well, from, from government. government, yes, but from other <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the being backed up by the megaphone of government mattered. 
it mattered. Like, you know, I campaigned <laughs> yeah. for there to be a wage subsidy and I was really glad when JobKeeper happened. But if you wanted to design one to exclude as many arts workers as possible, it's exactly what they did. Minister, I know you've talked a lot about people suffering during the pandemic, those in the arts, and I wonder behind the word revive, was it about reviving those careers? But what about careers like dance, which which tanked well before the pandemic? <laughs> Yeah, look, I, if, if you look at a whole lot of speeches I've given and Dan's sort of feeling dog-whistled to all the time now, <laughs> I've, all, I've, I've often said we were, we were vulnerable before the pandemic and I guess that vulnerability encouraged me to come on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. This is, a, this is a pity interview. I really appreciate that, Tony. You well, opened the door. Um, you opened let's talk, the door. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's talk about... Let's talk about Minimum wage for artists, that's something you you have been talking a little bit about in kind of sly language. That was kind of missing largely from this package. It was, you know, you did kind of say that it would be mandated by the government, the government would pay uh, a minimum wage to artists working for the government. But what about the, you know, the business population generally or in general? Is there some kind of minimum wage set coming down the line or is there an experiment or conversations you're you're having that are kind of kind of early days thinking yeah, about we've, that? We've taken steps towards it. I just in seven months of consultation, I I didn't want to find that I'd inadvertently blown something up that mattered on the way through because we we went about it the wrong way. So there's sort of the steps we've taken as of Monday are first of all, governments guaranteeing minimum rates in anything that we contract. Secondly, in the review of awards that I announced last year as part of the workplace relations reforms when Secure Jobs, Better Pay went through and we had the negotiation with David Pocock, I've now said specifically looking at the work of artists has to be included in that review of awards Uh, and that's particularly important for visual artists because they've been really held back there. But then the other thing structurally that we've established is a Centre for Arts and Entertainment Workplaces. So a centre within Creative Australia where it'll be half workers, half employers effectively, and it's part of its job will be to start to come up with what should be some minimum rates. And so the next step after saying government will pay it is to say uh, once we get those minimum rates, if you want to come knocking on the door to get a government grant, you need to be delivering on these minimum standards. And so that's sort of the the next stage of dealing with it. Well, you know, we're, we're lucky enough to have a Patreon so we can pay our comedy guests a small honorarium. Um, we don't ask people to come on for exposure because, quite frankly, we don't have that many <laughs> listeners. So it's um, pretty, uh, you know, it's a bit of a ordeal for anyone that comes on. So, yeah. Well, that's exciting to hear. That's exciting to hear. I want to talk a little bit about quotas. That was the other thing that, you know, as a TV maker that made me excited. 20% of revenue from streamers to be invested into local production. When you've got kind of players like Netflix who kind of obfuscate the numbers, you know, they, they do the old double Dutch sandwich with an Irish twist, they license the trademarks, they kind of kind of deflate their own real revenue to kind of lower their tax bill. Do you think that that metric is going to work to, to get more local production on yeah. screen? So this is where the Screen Producers Association and there's a campaign called Make It Australian and it's aiming for 20%. We haven't signed up to the 20% yet. We've signed up to the deadline. So this six months is consultation. Next six months, legislation. 1st of July next year, the Australian the uh, requirements for Australian content will have started. 
the the things that we've got to work through because they all affect, say, if you land at 20% or you scale up to it over a few years, you then also have to work out three other areas. First, is it new content only or can old content be bought to, <laughs> to get there? You got Yeah, of, of course. Uh, Amazon, Amazon just yeah. bought uh, Neighbours and uh, that was largely seen as a way to kind of bolster the, uh, bolster the fight against content. Yeah. Local so, content. Are we going to see a Toadie spinoff on Neighbours? That'll, <laughs> that'll be exciting. No, no, yeah, this is the, the risk of Skippy taking over everyone's screens again, like just <laughs> getting whatever you can. So we've got to make the decision on whether there's whether things that are old count at all or whether it's only new. We've then also got to decide how Australian does it have to be. So some of the streamers have come out saying, we're already doing 20%, uh, and they're counting every Marvel film that's been filmed here. Uh, which you know often aren't even <laughs> set on this planet, let alone this country. Um, and then the, the third thing we've got to work out is what we do for subquotas. So whether we have a subquota for children's content, scripted drama, documentary, how how we deal with that. So all of that affects mm. what the final percentage means. Uh, but we haven't given ourselves yep. long, and I, I'm sure for the streamers and everyone else, us setting the deadlines has focused the mind. Will it be a percentage or will it be uh, hour, hourly kind of content kind of uh, metric? Yeah, you, you can't do it the way you do free-to-air. So free-to-air, because you know what time things are going to be broadcast, you can set uh-huh, an hour-by-hour yeah. metric. But ultimately with streaming, the consumer decides what they're going to watch, although there's issues of menus where Netflix or whoever make decisions about what they choose to prioritise in their algorithm. So... I haven't found a method other than a percentage of expenditure or revenue that actually works. I think expenditure uh, mm. percentage of revenue is probably the only way you can deal with a streaming service, but you can't do it the way that you deal with uh, free-to-air TV. Does it run the risk of production companies and streamers looking elsewhere to make content, thinking, well, Australia's a small market. We don't have to, we don't have to play fair game here. We'll just we'll go to New Zealand. Uh, or we'll go elsewhere. Does it? Are you? Do you have any of those concerns? I, I really don't, because they're making a heap of money here. So, whatever, wherever the quota's at, they'll still make money. And a whole lot of the Australian content they won't only show here; they'll make money out of it around the around the world as well. Uh, uh, other countries, Europe's within Europe, there are quotas. Uh, France, Italy, there are there are con- other countries that have quotas. So. I'm confident that they, it's not going to cause them to walk because why would you walk from a place where you're making money if the, the rule is simply you've got to make more content from a country that produces really good content? We are good content producers here at Irrational Fear and we... <laughs> that was another dog whistle to you, Dan. It was. <laughs> well, this is... The, uh, look, I know, I know you're currently auditioning for Poet Laureate of Australia and it's really exciting. And um, Antoinette and Hannah and I have kind of, you know, we've, we've shaped a little poem for you each to see, you know, what you think. Maybe we could be in the running to be Poet Laureate. We, we, are you happy to listen to these poems, Tony? Do, do I get rhyming couplets on the way through? <laughs> you can have someone have rhyming triplets. Who's to know? <laughs> okay, I'm in. Hannah, do you want to go first? I'm ready. Thank you, Dan. I'm ready to win. Whatever. <laughs> and, and, and I'm already placing myself there. Dan is a firm third, so I'm ready. Um, okay. The death of the Queen has flipped the lid on many secrets the monarchy hid. Our currency not featuring the King has really upset the right wing more than Prince Andrew ever did. Oh, mm, what do you think about that, Tony? <laughs> Keep in mind, culture wars are dead from government. Yes, what do you so think about true. that? I reckon the National Poet Laureate could reignite all of them. 
On that, wasn't it great today, Peter Dutton saying that uh, saying that Prince Charles not on the five dollar note is a is a direct attack on society. This comes from a government that created robo debt, who did an actual direct attack on society. Dan, you've just provided you've just provided the perfect segue because my limerick is about Dutton. Oh, let's do it. I have a very. Uh, you you already limerick. win. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted. I knew how to play dirty in the end. Okay, a lad called Dutton. There once was a lad from Australia. He said, let's maintain violent colonial regalia. He was extremely white and not very Luddite, which will ensure his continual destructive failure. Oh, <laughs> oh that's really good. I, I don't think mine can beat that. I regalia. Structure. Yeah, regalia, <laughs> that's a big word. <laughs> regalia and Australia. I should just win for that. I was Googling that's... one syllable. That's in- incredible stuff. <laughs> Mine's a little bit more suburban, a bit more, um, you know, grassroots. Um, mm-hmm. Let me give it a go. There was movement at the station for the word had passed around that the 3.25pm was cancelled. The Bankstown line was down. They all mustered on the platform, frustration in their veins. Having already tapped on, they braced for the worst. Over the speaker came, buses will replace trains. All in the voice, Dan. That was thirty-five percent great voice. <laughs> well, you know, the, the poet laureate's got to perform too, right? <laughs> Tony, what do you think? I think Antoinette's poem's got the one that keeps me in a job. There we are. <laughs> well, that is it for rational fear. Big thanks to Antoinette Latouf, Hannah Ferguson, the Minister for Arts, Tony Burke. Let's get our plugs underway. Tony, what would you like to plug? That revive. Very good. He's holding up. The, for the people who aren't listening, who aren't watching the podcast, he's holding up the policy document. Oh, it's not all video. People have no idea what I just did. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Uh, Antoinette, what would you like to plug? I would like to plug my book, How to Lose Friends and Influence White People. It is published by Penguin. Also, I'd like to plug the fact that I have lost a few friends, so there are some vacancies for anybody who's interested. <laughs> Hannah Ferguson, what would you like to plug? Um, I'd like to plug Cheek Media's Instagram, cheekmedia.co. I had to add the dot in because when it was just Cheek Media Co, people informed me they were reading it as Cheek Medico and thought I was a medical student and I was very concerned about that. <laughs> so I had to change things up. Lewis Hobber re- regrets uh, staying in an Airbnb with bad internet. Uh, he would like to plug our live shows. We're going to Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane, Adelaide Fringe Festival, Melbourne Comedy Festival, Brisbane World Science Week. Tickets are at irrationalfear.com or comedy.com. Com.au. Come along. We'd love to see you. Big thanks to Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki timeline. Nico Rourke for his voiceover today. Road Mics, Australian Ethical, our Patreon supporters and everyone who listens. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 